welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church, and the mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media, a New Jersey SEO marketing and WordPress web design company for businesses, churches, and nonprofits. It is the number one ranked company in Google for New Jersey SEO company and internet marketing companies. You can check out their information in our show notes. Today's podcast is part 13 of the Walking Backwards series John has been teaching on Sunday mornings at Church in the Woods at Freedom Ranch. Following his message is a message from his wife, Sandy. Without further delay, here is John. But I do want you to understand what this walking backwards really means. You see, everything in Christian life is totally backwards to what we naturally believe and think. Jesus made several comments to illustrate this. He said, if you want to live, you've got to die. If you want to be the first, you've got to be the last. If you want to be the greatest, you've got to serve everyone. See, it's totally backwards. His kingdom is not of this world. But that's what we have been conditioned by. This world. So if we're going to walk like Jesus walked in this world, it's going to be backwards. And it's going to take the supernatural power of His Spirit. There's no question about it. So far, we've talked about a number of different issues associated with walking backwards. But today, I want to introduce another one to you. And that is exactly how the Spirit of God works in you to give you the grace and the power to walk like Jesus did on this earth. To think like Jesus did. So we're going to be looking today at your mind. And I want more than anything God to renew through His Spirit to renew your mind to change your thinking. And he will. And he does. Now our text we're going to read from today is found in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul tells us something about this renewal. And I'll just read the verses to you and then we'll talk about them. We'll break them down a little bit for you. In chapter 4, verse 17, he says this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth, from now on, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. 
Now, just those verses is a King James mouthful, isn't it? Well, let's see what he's talking about here. You all know that the term walk, and we've explained it several times, is used in the scripture refers to your lifestyle. Sometimes the old English word, like in this context, that describes your lifestyle, he simply calls it your conversation. That's the way you live. That's the way you walk. That's your lifestyle. And he's contrasting here this new lifestyle we have as brand new persons with the old lifestyle we've been conditioned by and raised up in. He's making a radical contrast here. And first he talks about the old. He says, I don't, I don't want you to keep on walking like other Gentiles in what he describes as the vanity of their minds. Now, it's kind of ironic that the word vanity literally means emptiness. So he's saying, I don't want you to walk like other Gentiles walk in the emptiness of your mind. To bring it on home to you, what he's saying is, I don't want you to go on being airheads, a spiritual airhead. I don't want you to think that way. And an important reason for that is that the way we think determines how we feel. Did you know that? Emotions don't just fall out of the ozone and land on you out of nowhere. No, emotions are generated between your own ears by what you believe according to what you think. And how you feel determines how you act. You say, well, there's a lot of times I do things I don't feel like doing. I understand. Back when I was day working, I didn't feel like getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, saddling a horse, and going to work in days like today. And so, yet I did it. Well, why did I do that? Because I didn't feel like getting fired. Okay? That's why I did it. I did it because I felt like it. And your behavior, how you act, how you talk, that determines your relationships, the quality of your relationships. Now, it's clear then if we're going to walk backwards like Jesus, if we're going to learn to walk in grace and truth, we're going to have to think like Jesus. And that's what this scripture is about here. How do you think like Jesus? Now, to the Corinthians, Paul wrote, and they were a nasty bunch of Christians, believe me. And those Corinthians were, hmm. In fact, if you wanted to call somebody a bad word in those days, you would call them a Corinthian. And to those Corinthians, Paul said point blank, you have the mind of Christ. You've got it already. It was given to you freely as that package that God gave you with his grace. You have the mind of Christ. However, having something and using it are two different things, aren't they? See, I've got a bunch of stuff in my barn that I never use. 
And occasionally I'll go through it and I'll clean it out, you know, and I'll say, oh, I forgot I had this. I haven't used it in years. Oh, I had it, but I didn't use it. You can have the mind of Christ and not use it. Well, what are you using if you're not using the mind of Christ? Your natural, carnal mind. The way you see things all the time. What he's describing in these verses I've just read to you is that natural mind. And let me give you a couple characteristics of it real quick. He says in verse 14, having the understanding darkened. That means they're confused. The carnal mind is confused. Confused about who you are, where you came from, why you're here, where you're going. You don't understand. You don't understand God, His kingdom, or anything about it. But you're not only confused with that natural mind, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. You're not only confused, but you're also ignorant. I like people who say, well, I don't really believe in God. I'm agnostic. You know what agnostic, the word agnostic means? It means ignorant. Agnosos from the Greek. Ignorant. Yeah, the natural mind is ignorant. That doesn't mean you're stupid. It means you just don't know. You're ignorant. The natural mind just doesn't know. And the last characteristic I'll share here. Because of the blindness of their heart. The blindness means you can't see. What can't see? Your heart can't see. Now, when you're reading the Scriptures, you'll find this term, heart, used repeatedly. When the Bible uses the term heart, it is not talking about that organ in the center of your chest that pumps blood. It's talking about something deeper. It's talking about what psychologists would call your subconscious mind. See, the beauty of Charlie's testimony this morning was it was symbolic. And you watched him as he went down into the water that was a symbol of his death, being submerged under the water, a symbol of his burial. And coming up out of the water, a symbol of his resurrection. You see, your heart or subconscious mind does not think in words and sentences. It thinks in symbols. Now, what Jesus left us here with his baptism and the other one, of course, we celebrate once a month, called the Lord's Supper, is a symbol that speaks to the very center of our being, our hearts, or that subconscious mind, the truth of the gospel. But here the problem is the natural mind doesn't see that. See, the natural mind is confused, ignorant, and blind. Now, being confused, ignorant, blind, actually hurts. I mean, it hurts bad. 
beyond this sense of vague sense of emptiness in us because of that. There is a whole host of negative and sinful, destructive emotions. Anger, depression, anxiety that literally destroy you physically, destroys your body. Being an airhead hurts in a lot more ways than we realize. And so Paul says, listen, I don't want you to run around like that, okay? I don't want you to to be an airhead anymore. I don't want you to have to endure the pain. Look how you naturally would take care of that pain. This next verse, who being past feeling, verse 16, 19 rather, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That's a fancy word, isn't it? Lasciviousness. What does that mean? That means doing anything you can think of to make yourself feel good without any regard to the consequences for you or others. Lasciviousness. But not only giving yourself over to lasciviousness, trying to make yourself feel good, to work all uncleanness with greediness. What does that mean? It means it never satisfies you. You keep keep it deeper and deeper and deeper into it. It's like an addiction. When you're addicted to a substance, you're never truly satisfied. You want more and more and more and more. Now, in strong contrast to that natural lifestyle, the natural way we think, Paul goes on to assure you, like he did the Ephesians in verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. What's he talking about there? He's talking about you who have had a personal encounter with Jesus. That you have talked to Him. He's talked to you. He is teaching you. You who have had a personal encounter with Jesus have a new lifestyle, a new way to live, a totally new way to think. You're no longer thinking with a carnal mind, but now you're thinking with the mind of Christ. Now, I don't have time to do it right now. We'll perhaps do it in a later study. But we can go to Philippians chapter 2 and look at the mind of Christ. Look at the characteristics of the mind of Christ. The very first characteristic of the mind of Christ was he knew who he was. He wasn't confused. He wasn't ignorant. He wasn't blind. And when did he know that? When he was 12 years old. He knew who he was. He knew why he was here. He knew where he was going. He knew what his job was. And he determined to fulfill it in keeping with the Father's will. So Paul says back there in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in 
Christ Jesus. Use the mind that has been given you freely by God's grace. So he draws a contrast here between the old natural way of thinking to the new supernatural way of thinking that will enable us to walk out a lifestyle of grace and truth. But then he gets down to the nitty-gritty here of exactly how does the Spirit accomplish that change in us? And he calls it being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Listen to these next verses. Verse 22, he says, that you put off concerning the former conversation. That's the way you used to live. You're going to put that off. Which is, he goes on to describe for us, the old man. You put off the old man. Now, what does he mean by the old man? What's he talking about here? It's the same thing he meant when he wrote to the, to the Romans. That's the person you used to be. And that person thought with a natural mind, the carnal mind. But he says now, you want to be renewed? Put off that person which was corrupt and deceitful lusts. Now, to really fully explain this to you, I don't want to go into depth with it, but in order to understand this, he's saying you're going to have to change the way you're thinking about yourself. Point blank. That's the first step. Just like the first step in the mind of Christ was he knew who he was, you're going to have to change the way you're thinking about yourself. You're going to have to put off the old man. Put off the old way of thinking. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind by the spirit as he changes your thinking, renews your mind, and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You all see that process? You're putting off something to put on something. Now, let's describe how that works out practically. He is not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that you change yourself. Mm -mm. Don't even go there in your thinking. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about you changing yourself. He's talking about God changing you by renewing your mind, changing the way you're thinking. He's not talking about you toughen it out and say, okay, well, I've read the Bible. I've got this knowledge of good and evil. I know what the rules are. So from now on, I'm going to do this and not do that. No, that's not what he's talking about. That's the, that's the game's religion place. That's not what he's talking about here at all. He's talking about God changing you from the inside out, going to the very depths of your person, to your heart, radically changing that so that the way you think changes, the way you feel changes, the way you act changes, and the way you relate to others changes from the inside out. It's a process that God does for you that you couldn't do for yourself. And so this 
being renewed in the spirit of our mind is really what he's after here. We've got to have a new way of thinking about ourselves. We've got to quit thinking of ourselves in our self-talk, which is, well, let me back up here. Do you realize that 82%, 82%, that's most, of what your brain does every day is talk to yourself about yourself. Did you know that? That's what your brain's doing all day long. Every waking moment, 82% of your brain activity is concerned with your self-talk. What are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself what you heard from Jesus? Are you telling yourself the truth as in Jesus? Are you telling yourself who you really are according to the Word of God? Or are you telling yourself all those lies that you believed your whole life? Let me give you a few just to illustrate. All right. Here's a lie, a really strong lie. I'll be worthy as a person, secure, loved, accepted, and forgiven, significant, important, meaningful, and competent and adequate if I get more money. Now, anything wrong with having more money? Hmm? Now, Paul said it was the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money. So if you got the wrong idea and you think your money is evil, I'd be happy to take that evil from you. You see, the lie is not that you want more money. That's not the lie. That's the truth. You want more money. The lie is, in the first part of that statement, I will be worthy. I will be secure. I will be significant. I'll be loved. I'll be important. If, dot, 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 you can fill the end of that statement in with anything. It doesn't matter whether it is good, bad, or ugly. It's still a lie. Well, let's fill it in with some good stuff. I'll be worthy if I go to church. I'll be worthy if I read my Bible. I'll be worthy if I sing in the choir. Lie. Straight from the pits of hell. Now, how do I know that's a lie? That we've been believing all our lives with that carnal mind. Because I know from cover to cover what this book says about what God has done to make you worthy right now. It's not you're worthy if. It's you're worthy because of what God did to make you worthy in His Son Jesus. God joined you inseparably to Jesus. He's the worthy one. And because you're joined to Him, you're worthy. So all those lies, and there are a multitude of them, believe me, all of those lies keep plaguing us. 
Oh, no, I'm not worthy. But I will be worthy if so-and-so loves me. I'll be worthy if I, I get understood. See, it's infinite. I will be worthy. I'll be worthy. I'll be worthy. Those are all lies. Those are what he means by the deceitful lust that plague that carnal mind. The deceitful lust are the strong desires to make ourselves worthy and to refuse to believe what God has done to make us worthy. So our minds need to be renewed. Instead of saying, I'll be worthy if all day long. And by the way, if you just think about it. If you're telling yourself subtle lies about your worth all day long, you're really saying, if you're saying, I will be worthy if, I will be secure if, I will be significant as a person if, if you're saying those kinds of things all day long to you, how are you going to feel? You're going to feel worthless. Because when you say, I will be worthy if, you're saying right now, I am worthless. I'm no good. I'm not secure. I'm not significant. I'm not important. I don't deserve to be respected. I don't deserve love. And you're telling yourself that crap all day long? How do you think you're going to feel? You're going to feel worthless. And it hurts. And so what are you going to do? The natural way of coping with that is to do what Paul just said, give yourself over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. What does that mean? You're going to do what it takes to make yourself feel good. And it doesn't matter what you have to do. Whatever's necessary, you're going to do what it takes to make yourself feel good to get rid of the pain. Now those who've been caught in the throes of addiction no, it doesn't work. The harder they tried to make themselves feel good, the worse they got to the point of death. Paul says, I don't want you living that way. That's not the way you're to live. You're to live in grace and truth. You're to live believing instead of, I will be worthy if, you're to live believing, I am right now, right this minute. Worthy because of who God has made me to be in Christ Jesus. I'm a brand new person created in righteousness and true holiness. I am loved of the Father. I am accepted of Him. I am forgiven totally by Him. I'm important in His plan. I have a purpose on this earth that He's designed. And I have adequacy through His Spirit living in me to accomplish that purpose. That's the truth. That's the truth of what the Word of God has revealed concerning you. The question is, are you going to believe that truth or not? When you believe that truth, you're putting off the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. 
and you're believing that you're a new man. You're putting on the new man, the new identity, the new person God has made you to be. Holy and without blame before Him in love. You're identifying yourself as that new person. And when you exercise that little bitty step of faith, I don't even say you need to believe that you are a new person. I need I say you need to want to believe. Because God gives you the faith to believe it. When you want to believe you're a new person, the Spirit, the Comforter, Jesus said, He was going to leave with us, begins to renew the spirit of your mind so that you understand you are the child of God. There's no way for you to lose. You are okay. And that hope reveals itself in your ability to love other people like Christ. It works itself out. So God is right now working on each of us, transforming us by the renewing of our minds. As Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 12, stop allowing yourselves to be conformed to the image of this world, the natural. But be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Allow the Spirit of God to transform you. Let's close with prayer. Father God, as we come to Your presence, I thank You. And I praise You, Father, for all that You've done to make us brand new persons. And I thank You for the continual work of Your Spirit who renews us in the spirit of our mind. I ask You to make us aware of that. I ask You to give the hunger for that. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sandy's got something she wants to read to you all. Charlie, you're stuck up here with me, man. Come here. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good morning, church. Um, I posted something on my Facebook page that I find hard to believe, and I want to share it with you guys. You know, John's been, he, he's been uh, doing a lot on the walking backwards and how Christianity is so backwards to the way that, you know, we think it is, you know, the way we walk is one way with our mind and our thoughts. And the way Jesus walks is usually the opposite has been in my case. Anyway, I always have to, you know, there are some people like Alex Bess. I know I love Alex. He says that he's gotten to the point and I was listening, Jim, to your processing group on Tuesday nights, which was excellent. Thank you. And Alex made the point that the closer you get to kingdom mentality, and he uses that phrase a lot, the closer, it, the easier it is for you to walk backwards. The easier it is for the first thing to come to your mind to be thoughts of Christ. And I'm just up here to tell you the first thing that comes to my mind is usually not thoughts of Christ. And I'm just being honest and candid this morning. And I have to struggle with that all the time is, you know, my first thought is going to be something negative. I tend to be a negative Nancy. 
I was raised that way and I tend to be that way. And so I fought it. It's part of my conditioning of my ugly, you know, ugly, nasty flesh. And, um, you know, but I'm trying. And, you know, the, the older I get, the more I realize that's our goal is to be more kingdom minded. And um, so anyway, when I was reading my Facebook, I got this thing and I don't know how many of you saw it, but it's pretty amazing. And I'm gonna read it to you. The guy, um, I don't know who any of you, how many of you saw the passion of Christ? Most of you, most of you. Okay, you know Jim Cavazell, who played Jesus in that film. And during filming, he plays the part of Jesus. He lost 45 pounds. And he suffered, I think I missed part of it, but Mel Gibson warned actor Jim Cavazell that playing the character of Christ was going to be very difficult and that if he accepted, he most likely would be marginalized by Hollywood. Jim Cavazell asked for a day to think about it, and his response to Mel, who was funding and directing the movie, was, I think I have to make it, even if it's difficult. And something else, my initials are JC, and I'm 33 years old. I didn't realize that until now. Mel Gibson responded with, let me find it. I've tried to take pictures of this because my phone isn't doing right, but anyway, um, let me open that up. Mel responded with, you're really scaring me, you know. During filming, Jim Cavazell, who plays the part of Jesus, lost 45 pounds. He was struck by lightning. He was accidentally struck twice during the scourging scene, leaving a deep 14-inch scar. He dislocated his shoulder when the cross was dropped into the hole with him on the cross. He then suffered pneumonia and hypothermia from being nearly naked with only a loincloth on the cross for endless hours. The crucifixion scene alone took five weeks of the two months of shooting. His body was so stressed and exhausted from playing the role, he had to undergo two open heart surgeries after the filming. And this is a 45-year-old. Jim explained, I didn't want people to see me. I just wanted them to see Jesus. Conversions will happen through that. And so then this is, the, this is really cool. Almost like a clairvoyant prediction, many amazing things happened. Pedro Cerubi, who played Barabbas, felt it was not Cavazel who was looking at him, but Jesus Christ himself as he played that role. And he said of Cavazel, his eyes had no hatred, resentment towards me, only mercy and love. Luca Lionello, the artist who played Judas, was an avowed atheist before shooting began. He eventually converted and baptized his children. One of the main technicians working on the film was a Muslim, and he converted to Christianity. Some producers, this is cool, some producers said they saw actors dressed in white they didn't recognize during one of the filming sessions. <laughs> and when they reviewed the recordings, they realized they couldn't see them in that footage. The Passion of Christ is the highest grossing U.S. religious, as well as the highest R film of all times. With 380 million worldwide, it grossed 611. It's touched, reached 
millions of people around the world. Mel Gibson paid $30 million out of his own pocket for the production of the film because no studio would take on the project. Today, Jim Cavazell simply boldly proclaims his faith in Christ and the miracle for him to play the part. When I read that, you know, it immediately made me think of walking backwards. How many people, if they knew that, that that's what it was going to cost them to follow Christ, would do it? He did. He accepted the challenge. And uh, I guess uh, I'm really struggling this morning, you guys. And I just have to be totally honest. Y'all pray for me. I, I, I can't even really explain to you, you know, what's going on in my heart. All I can say is that I know that I know. God's in control. God's working. And um, the only thing I can do is trust him. And uh, that's been the hard part, to be candid with you. That's been the hard part, is trust in him when I can't see how things are going to work out. Found out last night that my little nephew has been diagnosed with MS at 16 years old. It's my, my husband's brother's son and uh, grandson, grandson, my husband's brother's grandson. And this has been a real, he called him last night, and it just kind of choked me. And I don't understand sometimes the goodness of God when it looks bad. When we don't get the answers we want. You know? We've been praying for him for a couple weeks. We've been hoping it was something different. He's been on the prayer chain. Thank you, Sal and Lily. That's Brandon. We've been praying for him. The church has been praying for him. And, um, you know, it's just you go through these periods in your life when you really don't understand what God's doing. But the walking backwards part of it is that it doesn't matter whether we understand or not. God is God. You know, he's in control, and I thank God that he is and I'm not because I wouldn't make the same decisions, <laughs> just being honest. I'd say, oh, Lord, no, you made a mistake there. That's just a young man. That's part of our family. But there isn't a family out here that hasn't been touched by something. So I wanted to share that with you this morning because when I read it, I began to think about what John said about the backwardness of Christianity and how everything we do, everything we look at, everything the Lord asks us to do, count on the fact that it's going to be backwards. And you're going to go first. Your first heart 
thought is going to be, Mm-mm, not me, Lord, not me. And he was talking to his brother, and John was talking to him about suffering, you know. And it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Because only when you're walking through those dark days with the Lord, and a lot of you have been there, do you really grow close to God, and you really know that you know. Right, Jim Hutchinson? You know that you know. And you know him like you never knew him before, right? Just the way it is, you know. Can't do it without the valleys. But that's my little word for this morning. <laughs> you know, you know the Bible talks about if the, if the Lord lays something on your heart and you don't say it, you, you know, you're going to explode. John doesn't want that. So <laughs> I think she might preach. You and Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes. 